Welcome to the Voo Church Podcast. Today we're continuing our collection of talks, Icon, exploring the second icon of the Holy Spirit, wind. In this message, Waiting on the Wind, Pastor Dakota Duran shares on the significance of Pentecost, the start of the early church, and the presence of the Holy Spirit in our day-to-day lives. Discover more collection resources at vuchurch.com forward slash icon. Now let's lean into the message. Oh, come on, we can do better than that. Anybody excited to be in church on a Sunday morning? Come on, can we welcome Everglades Correctional Institute, DD, Vu City. Vu Somi, we feeling good over here. You can be seated wherever you are. My name is Dakota, and I'm so excited to be with you. Uh, me and my wife, Blair, uh, this weekend, actually, crazy the timing, it marks seven years that we moved to Miami. And we moved here when I was 22 years old. Blair was 20 years old in Miami, and Voo Church has changed my life. And even though the church was just a few months old, they already had things going. Thousands of people were already showing up. And from the outside, maybe you're here today, it's your first time, or maybe you're new. Uh, What me and my wife experienced is this. They made room for us. And today, maybe you're looking at this community and you see the packed room wherever you are, whatever location that you are. Uh, Yeah, we're doing okay, but we'd be doing a lot better if you were around. Can we make some noise for all the guests in the room? Can we make some noise for all the first timers? In this community, it wouldn't be what it is without the leadership, without the pastoring, without the vision of two of the best in the whole wide world. Come on, make some noise for our pastors. Pastor Richard DC, thank you for making room for all of us. So come on, we can do better. Thank you for making room for all of us. We love you so much. I'm excited. I feel like uh, I don't even have to preach right now because the cartoon that we just watched just did an incredible job of showing us what the day of Pentecost means. But I'm excited to bring the word. We're in this collection of talks icon, but we're gonna jump into it. And right now, if you have your Bibles, I would encourage you to turn to Acts 1. This is where we're gonna see the promise of the Holy Spirit to come. And then I wanna jump to Acts 2. And this is the fulfillment of that promise of that Spirit coming. I wanna start Acts 1, verses four through five. It says, on one occasion, while he was eating with them, he's talking about Jesus. Jesus gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Verse eight says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all of Judea and Samaria and the ends of the earth. It's the promise. Jesus is saying, you're going to receive something. In the next chapter, we see what he's talking about. The disciples and the followers of Jesus are in the upper room in Acts 2. It says, when the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Just like we are right now. Tap your neighbors. I'm, I'm excited to be sitting next to you. All in one place. Suddenly... A sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house, the whole house where they were sitting. 
They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Today, I want to speak from this subject, waiting on the wind. Waiting on the wind. Let's pray together. Lord, thank you so much for each and every person that's in this room. God, today we declare just that, waiting on the wind. God, just as the disciples were in the upper room wanting an experience from you, God, that's exactly why we're here, for no other reason but to experience you. Do your work. Illuminate yourself to us. We love you, Jesus. It's your precious and powerful name. Come on, everybody said. Amen. Hey, we've been in a collection of talks entitled Icon. And we've been going through the different icons that represent the Holy Spirit. Who is the Holy Spirit? Why is the Holy Spirit important? Well, the Holy Spirit is important because he's part of the Trinity. The Holy Spirit is God. We have God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. So if we don't know who the Holy Spirit is, we really only know two-thirds of God. I don't know about you. I want everything that I can get. I want all of God. I want all of the Holy Spirit. And that's why we're talking about the icons today. Last week, we talked about the dove. Come on, can we make some noise for Pastor DC and that incredible message? Welcome, Holy Spirit. Today, we're talking about wind. In the next two weeks, we're going to be hearing from Pastor Rich talking about fire and oil. Fire and oil. But when we talk about the icons, what can happen in the world and what happens in other religions is they put a lot of weight on icons. So today, I want to make sure that we understand in this room, we're not worshiping the dove. We're not worshiping wind. We're not worshiping fire. We're not worshiping oil. The icon does not put value on God. God puts value on the icon. Come on, does anybody understand? God puts value on us. Anything that God touches. Why are the icons important? Oh, they're important because me and you, we're just humans. We can't understand the ways of God. So these icons, what they do is they help us reveal the nature of God, the nature of the Spirit, so that we can understand the way He moves and the way that He breathes. Today, uh, as we talk about the icon, we're on Pentecost Sunday. And Pentecost Sunday is so important because it is the day of the entrance of the Holy Spirit. And I just want to make sure that you understand that you don't just walk in this room and you just think it's happenstance, that it just happened to be on the calendar. Friends, it's not an accident we're talking about the Holy Spirit right now before VUCON. I don't know about you, but I was at Voo Girl this past Thursday. I was one of the guys that were serving. Shout out to the men. And the presence of God was so thick in that place. Last Sunday, the presence of God was so thick in that place. The Holy Spirit wants to do something new. This is not an accident. God is doing a new work. God is doing a new thing. Oh, don't, don't miss it. Don't miss it. So when we talk about the Holy Spirit and we talk about Pentecost, I don't know about you, but when I think about Pentecost, because I was raised in church, I just think about Pentecostals, bro. (laughs) I think about hollering. I think about worship. I think about the supernatural. I think about getting your dance on at the worship night tonight. That's what I think about. I I think about signs and wonders, right? Pentecost. Pentecostals. What is Pentecost? Pentecost means 50. 
50, 50 what? 50 days after the resurrection of Jesus, the Holy Spirit descended. Pentecost, that's why we celebrate. But what you might not know is that Pentecost was being celebrated by the Jewish people that Jesus would have been teaching, that Jesus would have been leading long before the time of Jesus. The Feast of Weeks had been celebrated, Pentecost had been celebrated, because this wasn't the first time that God had given the people of Israel a gift on the day of Pentecost. Pentecost is not just 50 days after the resurrection of Jesus, Pentecost is also 50 days after Passover. And after the Israelites were led out of Egypt by Moses, 50 days after Moses, their leader, went to Mount Sinai and God was there, and what did God do? He gave him the gift of the law, the Ten Commandments. So whenever we look at this second Sinai, whenever we look at this upper room, it's important that we understand both accounts. And our God is a God of details. Everything is connected. And there's different connections between Exodus and Acts. The first one is this. After the wind of the Holy Spirit blew in the upper room, what happened? Fire went up on all of their heads. Why is that significant? We're gonna to continue to talk about fire. Well, fire is significant because that was the exact icon that was on the mountain when God gave Moses the Ten Commandments. Fire was significant because that was the exact icon that was in the tabernacle resting upon the one place that was holy enough to house the presence of God. Well, now the fire's on all of them. What does that represent? or represents now the presence isn't just in a place. Now the presence is in a people. Now the presence is in you and it's in me. Is anybody grateful for the detail of our God? Now we're all just little mobile home tabernacles. Housing the presence of God, there you go. You're an RV, that's what you came to church for today. But it wasn't just fire, it wasn't just that it was a significant day. Whenever you think about the law, the law wasn't written down by Moses, the, the, law, the law was written down by God on tablets. And guess what? This time, God was writing the law again. But it wasn't on tablets this time. It was what Jeremiah 31 said. Now I'm gonna write the law on your hearts. He's doing a work in you whenever you accept him more than you even know. His presence is there, his law is there, and the law came to the standard of how we should live. But is anybody grateful now that we have the spirit to actually empower us to live out the ways of a holy God? Oh, we can do better than that. He's connecting the dots. Second Sinai, the upper room, he gave us the Holy Spirit as a continuation of his goodness, as a continuation of empowering his people. What does Jesus say in Acts 1? He said, I'm sending you a gift. Anybody gift people in the house? Anybody gift people in the house? We got one back there all the way in the corner. I don't even know how you got back to that seat, yo. We got to get him a gift after this. He said, I'm giving you a gift. Some of uh, our dad's gifts, you know, wouldn't be worth like canceling our, canceling our Memorial Day's plans for. Some of our dads would get us like a Jimmy John sub, you know? Some of our dads would send us like a golf polo, you know? I don't know that I wanna wait for that gift, but Jesus' dad, he's a different deal. For me, Mother's Day just passed. Shout out to all the moms in the house, the heroes. For me and my wife, we have two little girls. 
And uh, so Mother's Day, I'm, I'm, trying to, I'm trying to get better and better because she's just showing more and more how she's superwoman. I don't know how she does it all. And uh, I took a risk. <laughs> I got her something she didn't ask for. It's always a risk, fellas. Sometimes it pays off. Sometimes it goes terribly wrong. So I was excited she went out of town. I was like, this is perfect. I'm going to surprise her. I get some time to, like, make this a thing. So she came in from out of town with our girls, and I'm like, welcome home. I had some flowers. And I was like, follow me. She's like, this is bizarre. I'm like, come with me through the living room to our bedroom, into our bathroom. She's like, where are you taking me? I'm like, here it is, ta-da! It's a new bathtub. (laughs) New little bamboo tray, you know? Candle. Got that expensive shampoo that I can't pronounce. Bath bombs. I was pumped, man. I was like, oh, she's going to love this. But it was so weird. I never had this thought until the re- big reveal. I was like, ta-da. And I was like, oh, my God, we're getting old. <laughs> I got to move out of the suburbs, man. I got to get back to the city. It's changing me. I'm getting old. I don't know if it was the best gift. She, she usually waits like six months to a year to tell me a gift was bad. So we're still in the trial phase. But Jesus is that. He's, he's God the Father. His gifts are worth waiting for. And this language that I believe that Jesus has used about what the Holy Spirit is, a gift, is not what we look at the Holy Spirit as enough. There's too many people in the church that think of the Holy Spirit not as a gift, but as too complicated. Too many people in the church don't think of the Holy Spirit as a gift, but they think of him as complex. Too many people in our church, we can think that the Holy Spirit's not a gift. We can think, oh, it's just taboo. It's just something extra. Oh, and that belief will lead to the wrong benefit of not walking in the wind, of not walking in the pneuma, of not walking in the ruach that he has to offer. For us in our church, oh, come on, somebody, we got to believe that the Holy Spirit is what Jesus says that he is. He's a gift to us. He gave us something so that we could actually walk in the things that he has for us, a gift. What form did the gift of the Holy Spirit come in? wind. I find this intriguing, but I also understand it. Why? Because there's so many similarities to the spirit and to wind. Number one, invisible. This might be the most frustrating characteristic of our God. Invisible. We can't see him, but we can't see the wind. But just because we can't see the wind doesn't mean we can't feel the wind. And just because we can't see the wind doesn't mean that the wind isn't real. I'm grateful that I feel the wind of the Holy Spirit when I pray for my girls. I'm grateful that I feel the wind of the Holy Spirit when I turn on worship music in my car. I'm grateful for the wind of the Holy Spirit in this service this morning. I'm grateful for the wind of the Holy Spirit when I need it the most, when I want to give up, when I'm hurting, when I'm in pain, when I'm in heartache. The wind of the Holy Spirit, it's invisible. Oh, but friends, you can feel it. 
It's not just invisible, it's powerful. Maybe you're watching online from some other place in the world, but us in South Florida, us at SOMI, us at City Design District, we know all too well the power of winds. Pick things up, move things around. We need to understand the characteristics of our God and the nature of our God, but somebody needs to be reminded today of the power of your God. He's all powerful. He created this earth. He's not just powerful, he's uncontrollable. That's what the wind is, he's uncontrollable. You know, when you get bold and you plan a wedding outside and the wind picks up, you can't just go talk to the wind and, yo, I got an extra 800 bucks if you just chill out, dog. <laughs> if you just settle down, bro, I got you. Four tickets to the heat. You can't, you can't do it. By the way, God bless the heat in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Done with that. Can't do it. It's uncontrollable. That's what John 3, 8 says. It says the wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear it sound, but you cannot tell where it is going. So it is everyone born of the Spirit. And guess what? I'm really glad that we can't control the Spirit because the Holy Spirit is the great orchestrator. The Holy Spirit is the greatest storyteller. The Holy Spirit is the best dot connector. We don't understand his ways, but his ways always succeed. His ways always have a plan. His always, always have a purpose. It's the wind. It's invisible, it's powerful, it's uncontrollable. The wind is the pneuma in the Greek, in the ruach in the Hebrew. And guess what, those two words, they mean wind, but they're also interchangeable with breath and spirit. So you know one of the reasons that the wind is significant? Because it's not just wind, it's the very breath of God. Come on, if you need the breath of God in your life, can you put your hands together like you mean it today? We need the breath of God, we need the wind of God, we need the pneuma in our lives. The wind does a few different things for us. And the first thing the, the wind does that we see in Acts is just what Pastor Rich said. It created the church. Wind creates. Come on, if you're taking notes, write that down. Wind creates. Wind obviously has an incredible part to play in nature. But what you might not know is that one of the reasons pollen's all over the air and you're like buying out all the Zyrtec and Walgreens is because wind is blowing that pollen to create seed. To create seed. And that's exactly what was happening in Acts chapter two. God was creating something new. The wind was creating something new. He was creating a movement of people that would change the world. He was creating seed. And these people that were in the upper room they were Jewish followers of Jesus. And the Jewish followers would have been well aware of the Old Testament. In fact, somebody needs to tap your neighbor and say, you need to read the Old Testament. You need to read the Old Testament. I just, I just felt that in my spirit today. Old Testament is filled with rich history of the people of God. But one of the other things that the Old Testament is filled with is, is prophecy. In Ezekiel, we find a great prophet that was taken away by God to a valley. A valley of what? A bunch of skeletons. This is like a Halloween movie, Okay says there's a valley of dry bones. What a weird thing for God to take you away from your home and bring you to. I would have been nervous, I'm not gonna lie. God, is this about to be me? 
But God just said this. Hey, Ezekiel, you think these bones can live again? Hey, Ezekiel, this thing that obviously looks dead and has been dead, do you think anything can make it live again? Do you think anything can create life again? Do you think anything can create joy again? Ezekiel responded, only you know, Lord. Only you know, Lord. And God has Ezekiel prophesied to the wind. I want to read it to you. It's in Ezekiel chapter 37. It says, then he said to me, prophesy to the breath, prophesy son of man, and say to the breath, thus says the Lord God, come from the four, come from the four, O breath, and breathe on these slain, that they come to life. So I prophesied as he commanded me, and the breath came into them, and they came to life, and stood on their feet, an exceedingly great army. Then he said to me, son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel. I don't know about you, but if you feel dead in this season, if you feel dry in this season, if you feel stuck in this season, you shouldn't feel insecure, you shouldn't feel worried, because anybody that has any life was once dead. And the only reason that they have life this morning is because of a little thing called the Numa. It's because of a little thing called the Ruach. When we were dead in our sin, when we were dead in our failure, when we were dead in our mistakes, oh come on, a good God blew his wind upon us that created life on the inside. Somebody better tap their neighbor and say, when creates. The thing about creation is that creation is not always just an addition. Sometimes creation is changing. And this is when we get mad at the Holy Spirit. Because sometimes we're like, God, I just need a refreshment. But he's like, no, you don't need a refreshment. You need a rearranging. That's what wind does. It moves things around. It brings things into your life, and it takes things out of your life. And as planners and as type A's, we're like, oh, God, that's not right. I know what I need. I got news for you. You don't know what you need. He knows what you need. He's the great planner. He's the one that provides life. He's the one that provides everything that you need. Creator determines use. Let him rearrange. Take your hands off the steering wheel and watch as he rearranges, as he brings things in, as he takes things out, how it creates life, how it creates clarity, how it creates peace, how it creates joy. Some of us, in order to achieve some of those things I just said, it's not something new. It's taking out something that's already there. He creates life, but wind doesn't just create. What I love about wind is wind strengthens. Wind strengthens. Just like I said, wind blows through the trees, but it's not just merely blowing through the trees. It's helping in the creation of trees because it's creating the seed in the same way wind also strengthens the plant. It strengthens this. This is a real term. Whenever a seedling is popping up out of the ground and the wind blows on it, that resistance, that wind, it makes the seedling release a hormone called oxen that releases growth, that releases strength. 
And do you know that's exactly what was happening in Acts 2? The Holy Spirit was giving strength to the people in the upper room. What does Acts 2 said? It says, as they enabled them. What does Acts 1 say? It says, you will receive power. Come on, you will receive power. You will receive power. You will receive power. You know why? Because the wind, it strengthens. But when you talk about this word power, you know, that's a word that intrigues a lot of people because most people want power. They want influence. They want fame. They want success. And it was the same with the Jews. You know what they did not have? Power. From the Egyptians to the Babylonians to the Romans, these dudes got beat up worse than the Miami Dolphins 10 years ago, okay? It just wasn't good. They didn't have any real power. So when Jesus is saying, wait in the upper room, you'll receive power, they're like, oh yeah, it's finally our time. Be the top dog. How do I receive power, Jesus? Well, he says it. He says, John baptizes in water, but you will be baptized in the Holy Spirit. You'll be baptized in the Holy Spirit. Right now, I want you to do an exercise with me. Wherever you are, why don't you close your eyes? Why don't you think about your baptism? Whenever you went under the water, where were you? What did it look like? You can open your eyes for a second. I think for most of us, what our baptism looked like was not just us saying, I'm fully committed to Jesus. We also had to say, I'm fully committed to going under that water. Some of y'all got baptized at the beach on a cold, windy day, but you still had to commit to being overwhelmed. You still had to commit to going underneath the water. And some of us want the power of the Holy Spirit, but how are we gonna receive the power of the Holy Spirit when we only got our feet in? How are we gonna receive the power of the Holy Spirit when we refuse to go all in with God? Oh my friends, God is going to give his power to people he can trust. People who say, oh, I'm all in for you, Jesus. I'm here for the right reasons. I'm here for your plan. I'm here for your purposes. I'm here for your destiny. We gotta commit to going all in. Gotta be overwhelmed. We have to have an overflow. What happens when you get out of that baptism tool? You're just dripping with water, hugging everybody. Like they're acting like they're happy in their mind. They're just making, they're so mad at you. Can't believe this dude just got me wet. I just bought this new outfit. But you're getting everybody a little something of what you just received. You're in that overflow. Oh, I pray for an overflow in this season. I pray that wherever we go, people would know there's something new about them. I pray that wherever we go, we would create a little life. I pray wherever we go, we would create a little joy. I pray wherever we would go, we would create a curiosity because we just haven't been baptized in water. Oh, come on, somebody. We have been baptized in the Spirit. We've been baptized in the Spirit. You want the power? You got to go all in. You want the power? You gotta have a full commitment. Power's essential. Because when someone is hurting, friends, they need power. They don't just need you to walk in with a smile and with kindness. They need someone who's walking in the power of the Spirit. When someone needs healing, 
They don't just need someone to help pass the time. They need someone that will pray with power. When someone is going through a time where they're about to give up on their faith, they don't just need someone to tell them apologetics. They need to experience the power. For us, if we're gonna evangelize, friends, evangelism without power is empty. But God can do something new if we fully commit, if we fully surrender. What he's gonna do for us is the wind will strengthen, the wind will empower. Come on, is anybody thirsty for the power of the Holy Spirit today? That's it. Oh, but this is, this is something we got to look into because if you have power, now you're a target. <laughs> the enemy is not afraid of Christ followers that are powerless. He's afraid of Christ followers that can walk in a room and through the power of the Spirit, chains of addiction can break. He, he don't want to see that. So you know what the enemy is about to try to do to you? He's about to try to knock the wind out of you. <laughs> He's going to try to knock the breath out of you. Some of you in the last 24 hours have had the wind knocked out of you. And as a church, we want to say we're with you, we love you, we're praying for you, but there's power available. Some of you in this past week, you've gone through transitions with your job, you've gone through transitions with your family. You need some power. Some of you in this last year, you've lost a loved one that has taken more from you than you could have dreamed. In this moment, what you need desperately is power. What enemy wants to, he wants to take his best shot at knocking the breath out of you. I have a little two-year-old girl they call it the terrible twos. It should be called that. No, I'm kidding. But what happens is she gets upset and she runs up to me and she can't breathe. She's crying. She's breathing. And I say, baby girl, take a breath. Breathe. Why? Because the second that she breathes, she has the opportunity to call upon her dad who can make something happen. But if all she's doing is crying, if all she's doing is wailing, it's hard for me to make a move. And I came here on a Sunday on assignment to tell somebody, it's time to catch your breath. Oh, come on, somebody. It's time for the Numa to give you a second wind because he's not done for you. He's not done with you. He's still working out a plan. He's still working out your purpose. He hasn't forgotten about you. He sees you. He loves you. But today, it's time to catch your breath. Tap your neighbor and say, catch your breath. We, I don't want to move past this too quick. We love you. And I hope you don't come in this room and think that each week you need to put on a mask to worship here. What you need to do is you need to be honest and you need to be open and you need to let this community pick you up and help you catch your breath. He wants to strengthen you. You have to let him. 
For some of you, I think this is a word that, that it's hard to grab onto his strength if you're holding on to your heartache. It's hard to grab onto his power if you're holding on to your pain. But I promise you this, as you let go and cast your cares, you'll pick up that power. If you give him your pain, he'll give you that power. As you give him that heartache, he'll give you that power. He'll fill you up. You aren't finished. Don't let the enemy lie to you. You're not done. Don't quit. He's going to empower you to continue to be a weapon for his kingdom. When creates, when strengthens, but wind sends. Wind sends. Wind helps the creation of the seed. But did you also know that wind, the thing that it moves more than anything else, is seeds. So it helps create the seed, it helps strengthen the plant, but then it spreads the seed so that there might be a harvest. All it needs is what? Good ground. Good ground. He's given you power. He's given you authority. For what? What does Acts chapter 1 say? To be my witnesses. Come on, somebody say it with me. To be my, to be your witnesses. I got, I got news for you. Some of you got so excited. Oh, I'm gonna get the power. I'm gonna finally make that company what I want. I'm finally gonna live out my dream. I'm finally gonna get that girl. I'm finally, he didn't give you the power to do whatever you want with it. He gave you the power to go love on his lost kids. To go look at that young man and say, young man, you're not just a random young man. You are son of a living God. Daughter, you don't have to live that way. You are a daughter of the Most High King. He gave you power to be witnesses. So what happens? After he's infilled them, they begin to speak in other languages. They spill out of the house. People start to take notice. And then Peter stands up real quickly. Acts 2 verse 5. We'll read it together. It says, now they were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. When they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one heard their own language being spoken. Utterly amazed, they asked, aren't all these who are speaking Galileans? Then how is it that each of us hears our native language? Let's skip to verse 12. It says, amazed and perplexed. They ask one another, what does this mean? Some, however, made fun of them and said, they've had too much wine. They're turned up. So after this, they, they spill out of the house. People are starting to take notice. And Peter, he steps up and he gives a sermon on a whim. Sometimes we just read over that. I'm like, yeah, it's not a big deal. Go out to Lincoln Road tomorrow and go preach on the street on a whim. This is a big deal. He stands up with boldness and he preaches the word. I, I doubt he had any prep. He just went out there and he was led by the... And some of us were like, yo, this ain't a big deal. Peter, this is the rock. 
that Jesus built his church on. Of course, my dog preached the word. Sometimes that's how we look at Peter, but we forget his whole story. Oh, just a few chapters before, just a few weeks before, Peter wasn't preaching. Peter was denying. Peter wasn't proclaiming. Peter was lying. Peter wasn't testifying about how good was. He was hiding that Jesus had ever done anything in him in the first place. To who? Was it a courtroom? Was it being televised? Was there a lot of pressure on him? No, to a little girl with no one around. That Peter stood up on a whim and preached the gospel. I just wanna tell somebody today, that's the same guy, but a new spirit. That's the same guy, but a new wind. Oh, Dakota, I've been timid my whole life. Oh, let the wind blow. Oh, Dakota, I'm too scared. I could let the wind blow. Dakota, God hasn't equipped me with that. Let the wind blow. Dakota, my marriage is on the rocks. Let the wind blow. Dakota, I'm about to give up. Let the wind blow. Dakota, I don't have any more to give. Let the wind blow. Let the wind blow. Let the wind blow. Creates life. Gives you power to be his witnesses. We're not even gonna need touch cards when our church catches the revelation that we are evangelists equipped to make a difference in this city. What was happening? Exactly what's happening in this moment. People are all together from different places and they were gonna be spread out by the wind to plant a harvest. Dakota, that's awesome. The wind is great. Baptism power, witness is great. How do we unlock the wind? Well, there's two things that I think sometimes as Christians, we, we move too quick because it's not the coolest part of the passage. But in Acts 1, I want us to make sure we understand the way Jesus started. He said, stay here. <laughs> you wanna unlock the wind? The wind responds to obedience. Stay here. You know, some theologians say that because Jesus was around 500 people, he may have invited all of them. We don't know for sure. But what a shame that three-fourths of the people that he was around didn't respond in wait. And there's actually theories that say maybe Maybe they were actually just drifting away from the following and teaching of Jesus. Maybe they actually just didn't wait and they went and tried to live out his teachings. Maybe they went and tried to be witnesses before they got the power. Friends, it's useless. And some of us wanna accept the Spirit and we get excited about the Spirit and we get excited about the wind and the fire and the oil, but we wanna push the Word aside. Friend, it's the Word that unlocks the Spirit. It's the Word that unlocks the wind. What, what emotional state do I have to be in to feel the wind? Oh, it's not emotion, it's discipline. 
Oh, what information do I have to know to unlock the wind? It's, it's not information. It's conviction. What communication do I have to say to God to get him to move in the wind? What words? It's not communication. It's submission. Obedience unlocks the wind. But the second thing that it says in Acts 2 is that they were all in one place. You know what else unlocks the wind? Unity. Come on, say some, somebody say that with me. One, two, three. Unity. Unity unlocks the wind. You know, it's important for that because that's a call to action for every single one of us in this room. It's time for you to stop thinking. I've just been here a month. I'm just going to come in and I'm just going to slip out. What I do in this space doesn't matter. Oh, you're, you're messing with the unity of this place. I've just been here for a year. I don't really like worship. I kind of just sit back and watch. Oh, you're messing with the unity of this place. It's time for us to understand we all play a part. And if we can all be united about the same thing, that we're not just here to see each other, that we're not just here to look cool, that we're not just here to put on our Sunday best, but we are here for one reason, and that's to experience the power and the strength of the Holy Spirit. It'll unlock the wind. His power, His presence, and His provision are proportional to our obedience and unity. Let me say that again. His power, presence, and provision are proportional to our obedience and our unity. As we close, we're going to worship in just a second. It's so funny, our church, we say this little saying. I actually just heard it right before this don't let me pray alone sometimes we laugh and we tease about what are we trying to say don't just listen participate because as we're united we call upon the name of Jesus why don't you stand up on your feet right now before we worship so intriguing to me is that in this time they were actually in a feast. It was called the Feast of Weeks. And the Feast of Weeks was similar to the other feasts that happened in Jerusalem. They would come together from everywhere. This isn't like our Thanksgiving. This isn't like our Christmas. This is family that you don't see. They're all here for one reason, for one thing. The thing that would differentiate the feast is what they were celebrating. It was always something God had done, but also the length of the feast. The length. The Feast of Trumpets was another feast. You know how, how many days they party? The Feast of Trumpets, 10 days. I couldn't do it, bro. 10 days? No, I, I don't know if I could hang. 10 days for the Feast of Trumpets. Feast of Passover, they partied one week. But you know how long that they partied and they worshiped and they came together and they ate together for the Feast of Weeks? One day. One day? Why so short? That's not a lot of time for people to come from all over the country to see each other, to be together. Why just one day? Why so short? Because the feast was just being together on one day, but the feast didn't end there because the next day it marked this particular season that I just feel like we're probably in right now at Vu Church. It's called harvest season. 
So what was happening in Acts 2 is Jesus was creating a church. He was giving them power and he got them all to one place so that he could spread them all over the world to be his witnesses. Because guess what? That following day would mark harvest season. And friends, I promise you this, right now, the earth, the world, they are looking for answers. They're looking for purpose. They're looking for love. They're looking for one place, one power, and his name is Jesus. Come on, does anybody believe it today? And what me and you have to do is we have to understand we were empowered. We were created for such a time as this to be witnesses. It's not time for us just to stay in Somi, to stay in city, to Zayas, the design district. It's time to get into our jobs. It's time to get into our gyms. It's time to be witnesses for his name sake. Come on, if you believe it, can you put your hands together? Thank you for listening to today's message. At VU, we believe we aren't meant to do life alone. We've been created with a unique purpose and designed to live in relationship with Jesus. If you've never surrendered your life to Him, we want to create an opportunity for you to do so today. If you want to say yes to Jesus, would you pray this with me? Dear Jesus, come into my life. Be the Lord of my life. I trust you with my past, I ask that you guide me in my present, and I even place my future in your hands. I'm yours, Lord, now and forever. In Jesus' name, amen. If you made the decision to follow Jesus today, we want to partner with you in your next steps on your faith journey. Go to voochurch.com forward slash online. We love you.